Welcome to another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast, brought to you by Courtroom Sciences, Dr. Bill Kanaski. Today, we have two great guests, two good friends, regulars on the podcast, Shane O'Dell, John Nunnally. Gentlemen, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good morning. Happy New Year. We, we, have got, we're, we, have to, we have got to start this podcast in the most obvious spot. And I'm going to throw this out because I, listen, I say this on the podcast all the time. I post about this. I'm not a big fan, unless it's a Duke basketball game, do not blame the refs. Don't blame the refs. And if you're in a jury trial, don't come back. Oh, that jury sucked. No, you don't blame the refs. You take accountability. You have control over what you're doing. Refs are going to play a role. You got to overcome that. But we just watched two semifinal games this weekend, which were beyond insanely entertaining. I'm going to st- I'm going to start with Shane O'Dell. Shane, did the did the refs influence those games to the point where it made a significant difference? Your opinion? Well, it seemed like they were trying so hard to not influence the outcome that they may have had an influence on the outcome. They're trying to stay out of the way so much. Man, if you're a Michigan, if you're a Michigan fan right now, you're probably hospitalized, is what I'm thinking. You're probably you're probably hospitalized on on psychotropic medication right now after what happened there tonight. Nunnally, what 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 do you think about that officiating? I as a very neutral person on all the games, there was nothing that really stood out to me. I mean, it, did you, know, you not watch the Michigan game, John? Yeah, but they were. I mean, tell me at the Michigan game how they let TCU score all those points before at the end, it became such a big difference. Oh, so, I, I, and that's I mean, my point. That's my yeah. point. You got to take care of no, there were listen, bad calls, but I mean, listen, if you was... fumble, if you fumble on the one foot line, refs or no refs, you, you, you don't deserve the. Yeah. That was, I mean, I was shocked at TCU how well they play. I expected Michigan to win that big. And I will say this, both games were incredibly entertaining. Yes. And I'm so worried now the national championship game is going to be such a dud. Because I think Georgia is going to kick their teeth in. So I will be shocked if it is a good game. Well, by the time this podcast posts, that will be determined. So we'll, you know, we'll, I, I guess we'll see. Uh, they opened up as two touchdown favorites. Yeah, that sounds about right. I was guessing they probably opened about 13 and a half would be my guess. But, yeah, but hey, listen, that's what TCU did against Michigan. They were, they were big dogs and said, hey, disrespect. This is all disrespect. We'll see. Well, it's going to, it's, it's going to be interesting. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining the podcast 2023. Um, want to talk about a couple different things today. First thing I want to just get update from you guys. Uh, Nunnally, uh, how are, how are things going at, at the rags, uh, at the Ragsdale firm and, uh, what's, uh, what, what, what's shaking over there? Been good. Been busy. Things are, uh, you know, a lot of the plaintiff's attorneys are, they are obviously going to lots of schools to do the same things. You're seeing a lot of different yeah. tactics and similar, and it's like, Everybody, it's just funny how they all do the same thing almost at the same time, the same type of questions and getting into uh, right now, directors and officers of trucking companies trying to get uh, interrogatories to them about their personal assets. That is like, excuse me, have you pierced the, pierced the corporate veil? Do we not have corporate entity wow. here? It's just weird. They're all trying to put direct pressure on the officers and, and trying to notice up their depositions. It's um that's a stressful, listen, it's a stressful process um, and it works. And, uh, you know, we've all, I've talked, I talk about amygdala hijack so often um, on this podcast and in a lot of my papers and speeches. 
that'll shake a witness up uh, for sure. Uh, Shane, how, how are things going over at uh, Name and How? You guys ready to uh, start off uh, 2023 uh, uh, with a bang? Oh, yeah, we're excited about 2023. we got a lot of great things going, uh, busy and yeah. ready to help everybody we can. So excited. That, that, that's outstanding. Uh, Shane, by the way, that's a, that's a very Texas background you have. Oh, yeah, isn't it? My wife's in charge of the decor here. So we I, that that goes at my house, too, except for the except for the podcast studio. I get that's the one that's the one thing I, I, I'm actually, haven. Yeah, it's the one thing I'm actually in charge of. Um, I did lose my man cave. That's a very 2022 topic, but we'll we'll leave that in 2022. So as we turn towards 23, um, and you and I had talked uh, on the phone uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, kind of talked what we wanted to talk about. And I think it's important to talk about as you start a new year. And I'm with Nunnally. I am very anti-resolution, New Year's resolutions. I think it's such a for failure, whether it be personally or fitness or weight loss but even work too i I don't really agree with resolutions but i do think it's a good time for kind of self-reflection uh firm reflection you know how do we do in 22 what do we what kind of changes do we want to make in 23 it doesn't mean doesn't mean big changes but maybe tweaks you know Uh, i think where people get in problems where they have problems with resolutions is that they make these huge this grandiose this large changes and goals and they're so hard to attain i don't necessarily think that's that's a good idea i don't think it's uh necessary uh shane just from a and we'll talk about strategically second but first just logistically just kind of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis as a trial attorney anything that you're changing in 23 just to make yourself maybe a little bit more efficient or 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 maybe just to improve your (laughs) work mental health yeah, so there's a lot of we've got a lot of stuff going on. I think that the uh, the resolution idea has taken a real hit because people, like you said, they overpromise and then they they disappoint themselves. And once yeah. they fall flat in February, then everything comes unraveled. And it seems like they try to make some overarching changes, or they change fifteen or twenty things instead of kind of being surgical and picking two or three things that they really can stick with. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot about resolutions leading up to the podcast today, trying to figure out why people fail and how you can help people, you know, make resolutions that they can keep. Um, and one thing, you know, when you're talking about goals, you want to be specific, right? Yeah. I think if you're talking about resolutions, you want to be broad. I yes. think the more broad you are, then you can fit into a place where you may be able to do some self-reflection periodically throughout the year and see kind of where you are measuring up to that. Um, and that's kind of what we do at, at our office. We have monthly meetings and we sit down and talk about what's working, what's not working. And so, you know, the idea of the new year's resolution being the only time you should be self-reflective or do some self-critical analysis is yeah, you're about 11 months behind the curve. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Uh, I know what I'm doing with uh, myself and my, I'm trying to striving for more efficiency with the team and better communication because uh you know efficiency is important we're all busy and uh you know if you're inefficient have poor communication that can really get you bogged down get behind the eight ball not only what are you doing uh logistically as far as maybe some tweaks you're making uh, as an attorney for 2023 
No, there's really nothing I can think of right now that I'm doing like, oh, as of January 1st, like you said, and you, I don't like resolutions. Yeah. I'm like, I, I am trying to stay on staff a little better, you know, personally myself about getting your time in on a daily basis because it makes such a big difference. And I, I hate this. Okay, start entering on Thursday. I mean, you don't have to wait till <laughs> Monday to start doing something right or make little changes. Um, there's nothing major. I mean, the, there's no new mousetrap. I mean, it's just keep doing what we're doing and be a little more efficient. I mean, the, the little changes. As, like we talked about, I hate resolutions like that. All that this week, I've been going to the gym. It's been wonderful. There have been like 12 people there. It's been such an easy time to get any equipment I want. I went yesterday. It was slammed. I could hardly do anything. Uh, it was ridiculous. People like, that don't belong there. <laughs> I know. And like, but I think Shane made an interesting point too. You start January 1, you go for a few weeks and then you fail. When are you failing? In the doldrums of winter when it's dark and Horrible. cold. It, so your entire mindset is depressed. Then you're a yeah. failure at your resolution. So it just like compounds itself on top of itself. So I don't like that at all. Um, there's no major changes or anything. Uh, everything I advocate is what it is. Um, I'm trying to make a goal that's realistic. I'm going to try to go to more sporting events this year. I don't think I went to enough last year. So I, yeah, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an effort on that. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, the, the sporting events you and I have got, and by the way, for the record, if you're on YouTube right now, you can see I am uh, totally you. decked out in the Carolina blue, not only uh, wearing the NC State gear. Uh, the last uh, several weeks for both of us have been completely miserable. So we're just going to, really we're going to leave really that have. in 2022. I'll tell you that uh, Shane strategically from a how you're approaching your cases. Uh, we always know at the plants bar, um, you know, they evolve quickly. They communicate very, very well, highly strategic, very, very well coordinated. What tweaks are you making strategically uh, as you approach your cases in 2023 to to hopefully um, take the lead and maintain the lead, uh, particularly early in these files. Yeah, we're certainly, we're emphasizing being proactive. That's always been a big thing Huge. for me. Huge. And, and I think that um, as, we've, as we've grown and I have younger associates, uh, we've really emphasized being proactive. We shouldn't be yeah. waiting around and, and be responsive. You get back on your heels and then you're on a timeline where you can set things in motion long beforehand. And then when the timeline starts clicking away, you can make small tweaks to that and not yeah. feel rushed. Um, you know, I think something that, that I really would like to do, not just over this next year, but having started trying to, you know, be more involved in sharing with the defense bar, things that we're seeing, things we're hearing, things that are going on for, that we're, that we are being attacked from the other side. Yeah. That way we can all be prepared for it. And I told um, John Nunnally this a, a few weeks ago when we talked, but you know, I'm not the only one with these unique experiences. I like to start conversation and listen more than, more than I talk. Uh, I'm sure I have some unique experiences, but I know that all the other defense lawyers out there have seen other things and I want to share and create that two-way communication with people all over the country so we can figure out how yeah. to better approach these issues. I think that's a big deal. Um, I think part yeah. of this podcast I'll, is to do that too. Go ahead, John. I'll interject. Yeah. Let me tell you part of the reason I hang out with Shane a lot, he tends to experience things that I haven't heard of and I can be ready yeah. for. Uh, I don't know what you have in Texas, Shane, but <laughs> 
Don't I, mess I with Texas. More to Shane than about anybody else in the country because he has things happen that I'm like, wow, I better be ready for that because uh, it's like he's on the cutting edge of plaintiff's uh, work. So if Shane talks, you should listen because he's you're going to see it. Yeah, I, I think something uh, from a strategic, which which I preach to all my clients, and I preach on the podcast is to and, and Shane said the word, being proactive. Um, why, why are you going to let, why are you going to let the, your adversary punch you in the face three times before you, you, you start punching back? Uh, there are several ways and you all know those ways. Yeah, But let me interject on that. Here's the problem with that. It's great. And it sounds good to be proactive. All right. I'm trying to get my experts lined up quicker in all my cases. And you wouldn't believe the pushback I'm getting already. Like, do we need one yet? Uh, well, let me get their CV and their budget. I'm like, I've worked with them several times. I'll vouch yeah. for them. What it, what do you anticipate their role to be? I'm like, and I've been going back on one for I, I swear and just my goal was to have this guy locked up by and signed by the end of the year so he could already be looking at the stuff over the holidays. Yeah, I don't have him on board yet for I don't have approval yet authority. So it's like you say that, Bill, and it's a wonderful. You're right, but it's not as easy on the plaintiffs bar where they can just call up somebody and get their experts lined up. We have these extra layers of bureaucracy we have to go through. And you say it so well so many times. It's like we want to wait till the eighth or ninth inning of a boxing match to start really fighting. It's like so every time I do try to be more proactive, like you're saying, you, you, I have to like redouble my efforts to push through the bureaucracy and get things where I'd like them to be. And, and how do we uh, and now? I mean, and I imagine there's got to be a solution for this. And, and I, I think just logistic, I mean. Just kind of logically, I'm thinking, and, and Shane, what you think about this is uh, better and open communication w- with your clients ab- about what you need to try to educate them on the consequences of being reactive. Is that is that the way? To, I'm not an attorney, but I also talk. I have clients, and a lot of our you're, you guys are my clients, and I'm in a unique situation. I have corporate clients. I'm always trying to educate them about you know what I need to be effective and what they're doing to limit my effectiveness. Shane, do you ha- do you have those conversations with your with your clients, and, and how do you go about that? I guess without without pissing them off, right? Yeah, I would say that's a it's a delicate conversation to convince them to spend a bunch of money up front when when they realize that you know over ninety percent of these cases are eventually going to settle. But what we're trying to do is avoid the nuclear settlements and avoid overpaying. You know, one tool that I have seen that's at least been helpful is the early mediation. Um, get in there, listen to them, and let them tell you how much it's money that it's going to cost to get out of the case it becomes a lot easier to convince your clients to spend the money on the experts when they know they can't settle it um, for what they want to settle it. That That's an excellent point. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. The early media and, and it's Shane's absolutely right because it, you get to hear their whole presentation. You know, a lot of times we're waiting for a good demand package or something. You do an early mediation, you get it. They lay it out for you. Why it's worth a hundred million dollars and you can know what you're looking at and, and get a lot of good quick discovery. You know what you need to be focused on. Now, again, I am not an attorney, so I don't know how this works. Is this something defense counsel can, I, I guess, push early, or you you can push the uh, the plans counsel to to go in this direction? You, I mean, you can to some extent, but I would be, you know, it's also case by case basis. So not every case is appropriate for an early mediation or or an early settlement discussion. You know, there are a lot of times. 
you know, with the relationships with plaintiff counsel, you can pick up the phone and say, hey, where are we at on this deal? What do you think? And um, you can start to cut through that and figure out early mediation is not going to do us any good. We know the demand is going to be atrociously high and it's going to take a lot of work before we get them into that place. But having those conversations, either going to an early mediation or, or clearly realizing that's not going to work, depending on the case, you know, helps, helps you justify the expense on the back end. Very, very, very good point. Now, during our conversation the other day, uh, Shane, you brought up a story about, uh, let's kind of switch gears here just to, uh, we start with a good transition, you know, uh, mediation, um, some, some, some pretty interesting tactics. Again, you know, maybe things are different in Texas. <laughs> you got some, you got some characters there in Texas uh, in the plaintiff's bar. I know that. And you're telling us a story about uh, some tactics used in mediation where plaintiff's counsel is trying to come up with uh, several uh, reasons why they cannot settle a case for uh, X amount of dollars because of various promises they've made to their clients. Kind of, kind of generally, obviously not mention names, kind of run us through that scenario. I'm sure you've seen it multiple times and kind of what's going on and, and, and what you have been able to do, if, if anything, to counter it. Yeah, it presents a, a difficulty in mediation uh, when you go in to negotiate and um, you have an evaluation and the opposition says, well, this is our number and this is all we're ever going to do. Um, and like you said, making promises to their client and or, you know, asserting their, their client's expectations. I've always thought that plaintiff lawyers, two most difficult jobs were um, screening their clients and setting reasonable expectations. Um, we do a lot of setting reasonable expectations on the, our side, and we try, I feel like that's a lot of what I do is try to evaluate the case early, give them a number, tell them here's what I think, and then tweak that based on how the case evolves. Um, but that sets reasonable expectations from the outset. If I tell them the case is worth zero and then we change nine months later, I don't like to do that at all to go yeah. from zero to, oh, by the way, you owe a bunch of money. Um, <clears throat> we have to be willing to tell our clients and our carriers the bad news, um, because if we don't tell them the bad news, it's going to come out in front of the jury and it's going to be bad, or it's going to come out at mediation and that's not going to be helpful either. Um, but yeah, those mediation tactics are, are interesting. You know, that's, but, that's yeah. a good point, Shane, because in not just for other attorneys, but attorneys in my office, the younger ones, uh, you know, they want to have the bravado and I'll look at some of the reports or mediations and then they get to mediation and they suddenly want to go from zero to, okay, it's not multi-million dollar cases, but you want to suddenly throw three or 400,000 on a case. You've been talking about how defensible it is. So, you know, there's, I always say, you know, um, whatever Casey Kasem used to say, you know, reach for the stars, but keep your feet on the ground, you know, be realistic in what you're telling them. You, you know, you want to look good and tell them what they want to hear, but you, you can't, I mean, you gotta be facing, they may call you all upset going, why are you putting a quarter million dollars on this case that like, well, here's what could happen. And, and so I have to see that even within my own office. And that's just a, a skill that over time you get used to laying it out to the client so they're prepared for it so they don't walk into mediation expecting that oh we're just going to tell them to pound sand and walk out and casey casey case you just aged yourself man oh my god did i ever oh uh, if i if i mention that name to either of my children they'll be like what are you talking what? about i grew up with that man the top 40 
Casey know, Kasem? All in the seventies and eighties, yeah. I yeah, that's oh wow, that's just uh that brought well, that brought. I know back you're some, old enough, but but yeah, I know I'm getting way too old over here. Uh, so guys, so what? So so we'll close out this topic here. What do you guys want to do in in twenty three to put yourselves and your clients in the best position strategically as you enter um, any type of negotiation or or mediation. I imagine one of those things would, would, would be uh, to have solid witness performance and, and deposition. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've got to have solid witnesses. I think you gather as much information as you possibly can as early as you can. That goes back to being proactive, right? Um, if you can gather that information and do your best evaluation, put the time in, dig into those issues and identify those hidden nuggets that may pop up six months, nine months or a year down the road, then you can use that evaluation to make sure that if you're changing, you have some justification for it. Um, and witness performance is a big part of that. If they don't perform well, that's going to change the evaluation. Yeah, and um. I think early is the key, like you said, in the witness prep, but like there's one right now I have, and I'll keep the names out, that the police report wrote it in such a manner. I thought this was just a clear liability one when it came in. We sent our accident recon out to look at the vehicles and go over everything. He thinks the police have it really wrong, and we're not at fault. And I haven't issued the report yet, and I'm still we're still doing it, but I think plaintiff's attorney is going to be in for rude awakening when we go, yeah, we're denying liability. Here's why. We didn't cause this accident this other vehicle did <clears throat> but that's come from i was impressed this company got an accident recon out paid the money on one that looked like a clear liability and got it out early they're probably going to have a lot better argument when we go to mediation because whether we're right or not it's a real fact question now and the plaintiff's attorney is going to have to be worried do i even get anything from this client because we're unfortunately yeah. are the ones with assets and i'm like just going back to your point bill the they've going to have a good defense and something I can sink my teeth into whether we win or not. We've got a really good argument now that would not have been there, but for spending the money to get an accident recon to go out, investigate it all and do a full report on something that looked like a closed case. And we were going to spend a lot of money on. So it's an interesting, I, I really agree with both of you. You know, if you can do these things early and it, and even if you come out and just confirmed everything, Okay, then when you stroke the big check, you've done your due diligence and you know it's worth that. So I don't understand the reluctance a lot of times to to spend the money to prepare your witnesses so they do a good job, to spend the money so that you get tracked down all the information that you can have to adequately defend yeah. the client. And, and, and let's be clear. I want to be very, very clear. Um, I have some clients that absolutely 100% get it and they spend the money and they have a very different philosophy but then you have other clients that are kind of in that traditional, let's not spend any money early and try to just resolve this case when maybe they don't understand that not spending that money and investing to the case early prevents you from settling the case um, in a more favorable and, and earlier uh, manner. Uh, John, you brought up something. Uh, I'm going to throw out a topic we did not plan for, but John brought it up, so I'll blame him. Uh, retention of experts. Uh, I just did a solo podcast, which is going to post in a few weeks here about um, the the preference between getting a national expert right in the industry somebody out of town someone you know maybe from someplace you know prestigious like a university um, that, that has a lot of testimony experience versus maybe somebody more regional and local 
to, to your venue that maybe doesn't have that testimony experience, but, but they're local, right? They're not from Stanford or, or, or Harvard or something like that. Shane, when you're picking experts, what's your thought process when going through with that? Because we do a lot of mock jury research on this and I've seen this go both ways. Well, can I give you the lawyer answer? It depends. <laughs> it depends on the case. It depends on your venue. It depends on your judge and, and who your potential jurors are. Um, if I have a case out in West Texas, a uh, small rural county, um, I, I will probably lean more towards a Texas, a regional expert, somebody that I think um, people will listen to and understand. If we're um, in Houston, Dallas, or wherever, uh, you know, Austin, then it, if the case calls for an expert, a national expert, then we can go get that and do it. It just, it really depends on the case. It, this goes back Makes to my sense. idea that check, these litigation checklists to me are, are like a backwards, it should be, the, the case makes the checklist every time. Um, now, what do you think? Yeah, he's right. Now, I, I totally agree. It depends. I really, really prefer local personally yeah, I and agree. i go after when the plaintiffs have national ones like oh they mm -hmm. brought in somebody from stanford you know blah 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 but a lot of times you can't get them and if i know it's somebody who's one of these really good plaintiffs attorneys i may go national because they testify a lot and they're used to it and they're good uh the guys who are local who don't do a lot of testimony have more credibility but they're not ready for the attack that can come i it takes a lot more time i have to prepare them for what yeah. is going come so it's a it really depends on what is coming if it's a straightforward case but in preference yes i prefer local and i try very hard to get local if i can totally makes sense all right uh we're clocks ticking we got we got roughly eight minutes left um i am locking us all in on super bowl picks right now now i i i'm gonna i'm gonna give you guys the benefit of of the doubt i am gonna start off this process um, and I, I really struggled with this all morning. Um, and why does Tom Brady, okay. The bucks cannot put together a good first half. And then he just wins it at the end every single week. I don't, I don't trust that going forward. So I'm, I certainly can't go to as, as much as I appreciate Tom Brady. I, I can't, I can't go that route. Uh, and the NFC, I got to take the obvious pick. I'm sorry. The, the Eagles have clinched at home field. They have just, when they want to, they just steamroll everybody. I think, I think the Eagles have a really, really good shot here. They have all the advantages. Um, very, very strong team on a mission. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go Eagles coming out of the NFC and in the AFC um, boy. And this is really up in the air. There's like five or six teams there. I think it's like, wow. Um, I keep, and I keep trying for this. I keep trying for this. I'm going, I'm going to go with the Buffalo bills. They, they've, they've got to break this terrible streak at some point. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Eagles bills in the Super Bowl, And I, and finally, finally, the fans, the people of Buffalo are going to be able to put those four losses. Oh, and four, they're going to be able to put it to rest. I'm going with the Buffalo bills as the champion Shane Odell, where are you going? And you're locked in, you're on video. You're locked in. You can't change. Can't change it. All right. <laughs> uh, 
so there's a lot of big names that have shown up that are going to make appearances in the playoffs. Now you got Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady on the NFC side. I mean, the Chiefs continue to win but perform, and I don't know, I know. what's on there. And you know, Andy Reid will write the ship, and they'll make a great run in the AFC. I do think it's the Bills and the Chiefs in the AFC championship. I think. Josh no love Allen. for Cincinnati. You're throwing. I think Cincinnati may sneak in there. They they might, but I I think that uh, Andy Reid will get that ship okay. righted, and I think the Bills will uh, will end up in the Super Bowl. On the NFC side of things, before yesterday, I thought it was pretty clear. Um, the Cowboys seem to play down every week to their opponent. Yeah. Um, the 49ers look so good, and then they have to go to overtime to beat the Raiders. And the Eagles lose to the Saints. Uh, but the big issue there is if the Wrestling Eagles guys. Healthy, they'll roll. So yeah. I, I, not to just follow your picks, but I got to go Eagles-Bills. But I'm going to go Eagles win the Super Bowl over the Bills. Fair enough. John Nunnally, you get the final word. It's a crazy year. Um, do not pick the Carolina Panthers. Okay. <laughs> you, can, you cannot out. go with your – no, no. Logic. We're not going amygdala hijack and you're a okay, season ticket holder. You, you can't do that. I, I need. Well, I'll go Jacksonville Jaguars because we got a Jacksonville office. Then they're going to be the <laughs> surprise that comes through. No, um, no, I, uh, I don't do, I don't agree with you about the bills. I think mean, they have too many troubles and they tend to see, keep choking here lately. It's surprising to watch them. I, I think Kansas city in the AFC and Cincinnati are the two to watch. I like Kansas city. Andy Reid always seems to find a way to win. Mahomes always seems to find a way to win until somebody doesn't knocks them off like Cincinnati did last year. But I can't see that happening two years in a row. So I'll go Kansas city, but I don't know. I mean, that's a toss up. I, I thought Philadelphia looked super strong, but man, without hurts, they really looked weak these last couple of weeks. I was really surprised. I always thought it was, they were such a good defense and their offensive line was so good. You could put Gardner Minshew in there, but obviously that's not the case. Um, I don't know. I like San Francisco still out of that. Uh, I don't think Minnesota has a chance, even though oh. God, they looked so bad yesterday. They, they got they got walloped yesterday. I gotta say, I like like you mentioned, Aaron Rodgers being this hot intrigues me, but I don't see them pulling it all the way through. So I will go 49ers Chiefs with uh 49ers winning. Wow. Excellent. Brock Brock Purdy gonna come through as a rookie. He hasn't lost till he loses. It's a Cinderella story. It's a Cinderella story. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, Happy 2023. I know we'll be working uh, together uh, a lot this year. Um, And I appreciate your contributions uh, to the podcast. We're trying to make this, trying to make this the best show in town and and the contributions from guys like you uh, uh, are are very important. So, um, Thank you. Yeah, let's not you. let's not do the next one on the uh, day after New Year's Day uh, in the morning. Let's let's not do the next one then. How what about were you? That? What were you? Let's make that New Year's resolution <laughs> going forward. <laughs> well, you you had a you had a good time this weekend, did you? I'm up. I'm up. You're you're <laughs> <laughs> at least at least at least he's honest. Yeah, um, but yeah, happy New Year to both of you guys and to our audience. Happy New Year. This is Dr. Bill Kanaski. Thank you for participating in the Litigation Psychology Podcast. See you.